0: is like this regeneration weekend we, it's, we want to see everybody and want people to be blessed, but we, we want uh, a word from God that'll that touch our hearts, change our lives, give us something to go on another day, another week, a year, whatever. but you, you get something that uh, when you get you sit in a service and, and someone and preaches. The Word, you should be receiving something. Every single person in the room. Now what you do with what you receive is up to you. But the Word of God has purpose that it's, it's, the Word is never flat. The Lord said, my Word will go forth and it, it will accomplish. It's, it, there's something in it. it, it, it it's always on. And so when we have services and conferences, things like that, you go and and you listen to hear what the Spirit will say to you. So because you're going to get something that if it's forever settled in heaven, you can forever settle it in your heart. What's settled in heaven will settle your life if you let it. And so we're thankful for services like this. It, you know, day services well, it's casual, this this is yeah, it's still the word of the Lord, and we're here to hear, hear a great word today. In 2015, we had a, an awesome opportunity to to travel to South Africa with brother and sister Green, and uh, what a time we had! And you know, we didn't know what to expect, didn't know. It'll tear you up. That would change us, how it would affect us, you know, it, it did. But <clears throat> it gave us some forever friends in our lives. And that's where we first met Sister Lindsay. And we knew right away that she would be part of our life. Just like Brother Nathaniel, wherever, if he's in the deer stand, he's in trouble. <laughs> if Pastor ain't in the deer stand, every other hunter better be in this church building. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But we knew that uh, there was a connection there and there would be somebody that we needed. Even though she's in another state, we knew that she would have a place here and a place at RAC. And, and the times that she has spoken here has just put her finger right on what our church needs and just blessed us tremendously. And so... I was very excited this year to not do a split session. I wanted everyone in here for this because I believe in this young lady. Me and my wife think very highly of her. And uh, we have... Let me tell you, if you need her, you have full permission to to speak to her because we trust her tremendously and without anything. And I'm very excited and honored to bring Sister Lindsay to our platform, to our podium today. Let's give her a hand. Thankful for this young lady.
1: He's not supposed to make me cry before I get here. Um, Well, praise the Lord, everybody. And uh, I'm honored to be standing here today. I don't take this kind of thing very lightly at all. In fact, I'll lose quite a bit of sleep over something like this. Um, Because I know that when I come to a conference, when I come to a service, and um, I I have an expectation that I'm going to hear from the Lord. It's not just going to be another word, um, another day. It's going to be my word and my day. All right? So today, I want it to be your day. I have prayed for each of you, and I have prayed that you will receive
2: what it is that
1: the Lord has for you. Can we lift our hands, lift our voices to the King of Kings? Mighty God, I love you. Savior of the world. my healer, my redeemer, my strength, my peace, God. I thank you for being all those things to me. I thank you so much for the blessings that you've given me, for the favor that you have put upon my life, God, for for the goodness that I can count on, for your faithfulness that will never end, God. I give you praise for that. I praise you for your faithfulness. And your goodness, Jesus. You know I'm gonna I'm gonna do my accolades in just a minute. You just you keep on you you can Amen. All right, so Zephaniah tells us, Zephaniah three seventeen, that the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save thee, and he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love, and he will joy over thee with singing. That's what the Lord does when we come into his presence. Do you think, you think you're think you excited to come to a youth conference? He's excited for you to come to a youth conference. He's waiting on you to get here. He's waiting to show you who He is. He's waiting to show you what He can do. He's ready to to change your life. You know, it says He will rest in His love. You know what that means? If you read the Amplified Version, it says, He will make no mention of your past sins. I don't know about you, but I know my life. I know where I came from. I know where I've walked, where I've chosen to go. But His goodness and His mercy has saved me and pulled me out. And now I'm walking in the presence of God. I get to walk in His love. I get to walk with Him. And He rejoices over that. He has purposed for you to be here. He has a word for you. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Hey, He's got a word for you. I want you to look at your other neighbor and say, Whoop. He's got a word for me. So I'm going to tell you with confidence in the Holy Ghost that you're not here by accident. That's right. You are here because Jesus Christ, yes. the Savior of the world, has designed this moment.
2: That's right. And it's a
1: moment of purpose and destiny. It's a place where heaven intersects with earth.
2: Hallelujah.
1: believe that we're going to experience his presence today. Give honor to your pastor, my friend, Sister Walden. I just need both of them. Like if I could just hear him preach all the time and and her sing all the time. Can I just get a podcast of just y'all all all the time? (laughs) It'd be great. I give honor to all of you. I give honor to my pastor. Uh, I know that I can't go anywhere in authority if I'm not submitted to him and he knows everything and everywhere I go um, as far as when it comes to ministry and um, so i'm I'm thankful for the anointing that he carries that God allows to flow to me I give honor to brother and sister Green sister green my friend for coming and I didn't know if she was going to make it or not and I uh, made my day to see it so um <clears throat> You know what, you can be seated and then we'll. So the Lord knows the battle that somebody is fighting in this place and um, he understands the feelings of pain and anguish that someone's been holding and he's acquainted with grief and he's acquainted with frailty and spirit so today this is to the person who's skeptical he uh he hurts over your distance from him. To the person who feels like you aren't enough. He made you enough. To the person who feels like you're faking it till your make it mask is about to shatter. It's okay. Let it shatter. To the person who's overwhelmed with anxiety, to the person who feels like you're drowning. In the depths of depression. To the person who is here. Knowing that you've made some choices. That may be taking you away from truth. To the person who thinks you've gone too far. Made too many mistakes. He's here for you. He's here for you. Isaiah chapter 6. Is where I'm going to spend most of my time. We're probably going to go from Dan to Beersheba. Genesis to Revelation. All that stuff. But. I'm going to start in Isaiah chapter 6, begin with the first verse. As an early teenager, this verse kind of had a... Uh, it, I, you know what? Let's start as a, as a kid. I would read my Bible when I would go to bed. And this verse, I guess I've grown into this verse. <laughs> I don't want to say this this verse has grown with me, but I've kind of grown into this verse. When I first... Uh, Some of you have heard this story, so bear with me. But when I first read this verse, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. You want to know what my nine-year-old self saw? I saw the Chattanooga choo-choo train (laughs) hanging out the door of the church I grew up in. And I was like, okay, my, that doesn't make any sense, but it's a Bible. It's the Bible, so that's exactly what what it says. Okay. I don't understand. Nine years old. Okay. Thank God for a heart for God at nine yeah. years old. I yeah. love his, his word, even if it didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and <clears throat> so a few years later, i grown and matured a little bit, and I read that verse again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Okay, well, now the Lord's in a wedding dress, and he's got a real long train. So all I see is this tulle and white fabric filling the church that I grew up in. Why is the Lord wearing a wedding dress? This just doesn't make any sense. I'm like, okay. Okay. It's the Bible. I'm 12. It's it's the Bible. I okay. I thought we weren't supposed to do that kind of thing. (laughs) Thank the Lord it didn't stop there, Brother Walden. Because I started learning a little bit more about history and a little bit more about culture in that time. And It was a few years later. I read that verse again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. I realized that he was a king, and there are kingly robes. And that robe was a boss robe, yeah. <laughs> it filled the temple. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Cool. Still didn't know why it filled the temple. A few years later, I mean, I'm talking, me and this verse have a relationship. <laughs> going to make a joke about myself, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Me and this verse have a relationship. <laughs> so I was doing some more studying, and I realized that when a king of that day would win a victory, they would sew a panel of fabric to the end of the robe. So the longer the robe, the more victories were won. So that meant that the Lord was on the throne. He was high and lifted up. And his train filled the te- That means that there was victory filled the temple. Right. Yeah, right. It filled the t- I was like, oh, man, that means he's like, he's the big dog. Like, he's the winner of all winners. Like, he's victorious. And that filled the temple. And so I thought that was it. I finally understood this verse. And then I come across a verse in uh, the New Testament. can't remember the reference right now, but it says, Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? You know what that means? Victory fills me. That means that I walk in victory. That means that whatever I face, whatever I deal with, I'm not even preaching this. This means that I have victory. It doesn't matter what I face. It doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter. I have victory. It doesn't matter how I feel. I can walk in victory. And too often we allow our feelings to abuse us and dictate and determine who we are and what we're going to be able to accomplish. Instead of making feelings our idol, we should probably put him high on the throne. Okay. (laughs) So in the year that King Uzziah died, that's seriously not my message. That was just me and that verse have a relationship. His train filled the temple, above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. So this was a tough season for Judah. If we do a little history lesson, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time on history here, just to set a a little ground. This was a really tough season for Judah. King Uzziah had just died. And King Uzziah, up until a certain point, had been a very good king. In fact, in 2 Chronicles 26, you can read a lot of his works. It says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Just like his father had done. He sought the Lord. And he... He did it in the fear of God in the days of Zechariah. And as long as Uzziah made a point to seek God, God made him prosperous. But after the prophet died, and man, there's a whole lot you can preach for <laughs> After Zechariah died, Uzziah made some really poor choices. If you do some research, though, you'll notice that King Uzziah was shown as a wonderfully intelligent and innovated king. Judah prospered under his reign, and he was used by God to defeat the Philistines and Arabs. And he built fortified towers, and he strengthened the armies of Judah, and he commissioned skilled men to create devices that were innovative. That could shoot arrows and large stones at enemies from the city walls. Go ahead. Verse 15 of of 2 Chronicles 26. You go read it up. He also built up the land. He made a covenant with the land. He loved the soil. He says in verse 10. They paid tribute to him. His fame spread all over the ancient world as far as the borders of Egypt. But this king's fame... And strength led him to a place of pride and led him to his downfall in 2 Chronicles 26 and 16. He entered the temple of God to burn incense on the altar. Burning incense on the altar was something that the priests did. He was a king. He was not a priest. So by attempting to do this himself, he basically said, He was above following God's commands. So he he moved himself from a place of seeking God for guidance and elevated himself to a place of I can decide what I need to do. That's Uzziah. He had proved that he was was a courageous warrior. He didn't even listen to wise counsel. I'm going to stop here for just a minute. 80 priests, 8-0, 80 priests, dude, well, king, I'm sure they didn't call the king dude, but it's it's my commentary, so, dude, what are you doing? You can't do this. Don't do this. You're going to mess up. Don't do it. He looked him in the face and did it anyway. And as he was doing it, listen, your leadership is important. Listening and submitting yourself to the man of God and the woman of God, whoever he places over you, is very important. As long as he followed the word of the prophet, he was prosperous. But the minute that he stared the priest in the face he was cursed with leprosy leprosy just a funny story for you i was with shelly coon and uh elsie is in school now their their daughter they're in Suwannee, georgia and uh you know you got a church kid when a kid at school gets a rash and he she looks at him and says well it, it's not leprosy so <laughs> You know you got a church kid when leprosy is the thing that couldn't be a possibility.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that made my day. But he had provided. He was a courageous warrior. He was a visionary. He was innovated, but he got lost in himself. And he made a prideful decision that cost him his position and his life. Now here's the deal. Too many times we would be wounded over losing the position. Positions aren't important. Your purpose is. but here's the thing about Isaiah that I see in this this passage. He's back on He starts off with one phrase says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Why was that important? I mean, yeah, maybe a marker for history. Like, this is, this is the time in which I wrote this. But I believe it was him telling us where he was emotionally. I think he was um, admitting and recognizing his grief. Isaiah wouldn't have been very old in this moment. Zechariah had just died, and so you have a young boy. Just think about it: you have a young boy, and you look up to people, you look up to those in leadership, you look up into look look up to those things. He was probably grieved because his maybe hero. I mean, this is this. I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, but he was grieved. Judah in in, in in entirety was in a state of loss. They had lost a good king. They were, they were hurting. And we we you know and I jumped straight to the victory part. But the reality is that's where Isaiah was. Isaiah, Isaiah was living in a place of lack. He was living in a place of deficiency. And the Lord was very kind and said, I know exactly where you are, but I'm still sitting on the throne. He said, I'm still, I'm still king, and I'm still victorious as, as victorious as Uzziah was, I'm even more victorious. And he has he has the ability to to meet us, and this is this is where we're going to to really jump off and we're gonna go on a journey, okay? When well, you're already like, dear God, you're healthy. How- long into this. (laughs) But God has this ability to meet us in our deficiency. He has the ability to meet us where we lack. He is acquainted with our grief. So it doesn't scare him. And I think too often we walk around like God, and 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 I maybe maybe it's me, maybe it's maybe it's me, and I'm and this is I'm preaching to me, okay. But I have to walk around even with the Lord, like I've got my life together. I have to walk around, like I know that He's got me, and and you know, and and, and let's just be real. There are some days where we're like, uh, do you got me? Hashtag 2020. You got this? We know he does. We know he does. But do we know he does? So here Isaiah is in a place of lack and deficiency. And he has a vision of God. And this is an incredible moment. Honestly, this is probably one of my absolute favorite passages in the Bible because it's so full of, of just good stuff. Yeah. Um, Isaiah's in this place of lack and deficiency, and the Lord meets him right there and begins to talk to him. Now, here's the deal. <clears throat> in our age range right now, like this, this, this group, we have, um, sometimes we have identity crisis. Like, we're trying to, I mean, all the time, okay, yeah, let's, just, let's just be real. We try to figure out who we are. All right, who am I? I'm 33 still trying to figure that out sometimes, you know, like, hi. Not a ninja. So who am I? Am I a warrior? Am I? No, no, I'm going to tell you. Muscles on the bottom of the arms, not a warrior. I am not that. Who am I? And so we're, we're going around, we're trying to figure out who we are, and oftentimes we just see who we're not. Right. Right. Did you just see how I did that? Hi, I'm not a ninja. I'm not a warrior because the muscles are on the bottom of my arms. I lack muscle. I am not those things. That's what I see. I see what I'm not. All right, so if I'm seeing what I'm not, who am I? How do I know who I am if all I can see is who I'm not? And the reason, and and, and pastor can tug on me, do whatever he needs to do. He, he can fix it when I'm gone. Because we look to another person to determine whether or not we measure up. We compare ourselves amongst ourselves and we see our deficiencies and we cannot see our true identity because we are trying to become somebody else and not who God designed us to be. And the reality is, is it, we all do it. But that's why we were instructed, don't compare yourself amongst yourselves. I'm the standard, God said. Look to me. I designed you. I create. Why are you looking at your sister? Why are you looking at your brother? I'm about to hit something. Well, I'm 33 and I'm not married. Like all these other people are 12 and married. I mean,. If I'm not careful, I would expect that I assume because some, God's done something in somebody else's life one way, it's got to be done in my life the same way. And that is not the case. The question is, or do you have a relationship with God that's going to lead you to where he wants you to be? Or are you going to have a relationship with somebody else's identity that may or may not be an actuality? Which one's going to take you to heaven? That's the question. Which one's going to make you fruitful? That's the question. So Isaiah, trying to figure out who he is. Where are we at? King Uzziah just died. But he saw the Lord. And it was then. Maybe it was just a cold chill. No, I'm pretty sure it was Holy Ghost. He said, woe is me. That is when you have an accurate view of yourself. Is when you first have a vision of God. Then you see yourself. You can see yourself in who you really are and who you're not. There, there are things that we're not, and it's okay. But God meets us in our deficiency. I don't have to be that. I don't have to be strong where I'm weak. Right. That's his job. That's his job. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to be strong where I'm weak. Buddy, that's. that's good stuff. Write that down.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Put that on your refrigerator.
1: Put that on a tin and take it to Hobby Lobby. such a dork (laughs) you see God you're going to see who you are Isaiah up to this point you read Isaiah chapter 1 through 5 Isaiah is mean he's like these people they are awful horrible people like I don't know what you're doing with just (sighs) burn it all down to the ground Lord you know, uh-oh. Anyway, this is Isaiah's idea of of, of everybody else. It's like you look at at everybody else, and then you have a vision of God. Something's going to change, and you're going to see yourself. So you're going to stop comparing, and you're going to see Jesus, and then you're going to see you. All right. I know. You're going to see yourself. You're going to see yourself. All right. But I think too many times we get caught up in our lack. And the truth is we're aware of ourselves, we're aware of other people, but do you have a clear view of God? Do you have a clear view of who he wants you to be? Comparing ourselves to each other is not an option. And the truth is, I think it's important, you can't even... Identify yourself by the circumstances in which surround you, and I didn't see that until I guess it was Friday. He was like, "In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and then on down you see, woe am I? What? I'm 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 messed up. I'm trying my best." The trauma, the grief, the pain that he was in didn't even identify him. Y'all, that's powerful.
2: Yes.
1: And I know I know I'm 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 definitely not Myron Wideman. I'm a girl. Other things. But my style's different. I don't have to be Myron Wideman. I don't have to be Janice Ostrand. Right. I don't have to be whoever, right. Lois Green. I'm Lindsay Coppinger. Right. And you get what you get. <laughs> Help us
2: all.
1: <laughs> it's different, I know. Oh, didn't know that the Lord was going to make me do that. Your circumstances do not define you. How you came into this world doesn't define you. The things that you've done don't define you. The things that have happened to you do not define you. All right, right, so. How many of you know my story? Um,. How many of you have been here? I've shared bits and pieces. I know the guys don't. Some of you know my story. So if y'all would just start praying, that'd be great so I know what pieces to share. Um, I didn't have that in my notes, but I feel prompted in the Holy Ghost. Um, so when I was um, I was born. Ta-da! Um I was born in into an apostolic family, a a a rich heritage. I'm sixth generation in Apostolic Pentecost. Um that's kind of a big deal. Like, you know, that's pretty cool, but it doesn't make me any better than anybody else. Um, but here's the reality is that I was born to a sixteen-year-old female who tried to abort me without telling her family all right so <clears throat> that's you know whatever Woohoo! I made it I am a warrior <laughs> but here's the deal the stigma that comes along with being a baby born out of wedlock in an apostolic family I'm just going to be, I I was the problem. My whole life, I knew that I'm going to come back around and and, and fix my view of myself, just so you know. But I'm just going to paint it all, okay? Paint it the way that I fought it. And uh, I was the problem. Every time there was a family fight. Every time there was a family fight. It was because of me. Not because I did anything. Just because I was there. I wasn't enough. I was, I was a mess. I was not wanted. I was an obligation. Okay? And for so long, I have allowed that to be my identity. To the point that when I walk into ministered places, the battles that I fight... I put on a smile. I come to church. I worship God because he's good and because I, I know who, who he is. And I know that he loves me and he knows who I really am. And, and and But I feel like I'm not enough. I fight that every time I come. It doesn't matter where. I fight that insecurity like I'm not enough. I'm unwanted, I'm an obligate they're just having me because they met me in South Africa and I'm just that person that that's, you know that, that. can y'all handle real? so I've dealt with that my entire life and then I mean, I fell in love with God I did. I was a kid, reading Bible at nine years old, falling asleep. Mom would have to put it up. Okay, that's that. That's what I did. Because at a young age, I learned, well, I guess I'm not going to get everything I need from from my family. But there's something that I feel when I talk about the Lord. There's something yeah. that I feel when I'm in his presence that I can't understand. When I read his word, there's... There's fulfillment and satisfaction. And and so that's what happened. And I think that honestly, that's why I'm still serving God because I had a relationship with His Word at a young age. And He said to me, South Africa, it was that trip. He told me I was on my on my plane, on the plane to, to Atlanta. And the Lord told me, Because you learned to come to me at an early age, you can stand. Now, this is not about me, and this is not about you feeling sorry for me. I've lived in self-pity way too long, and I'm done with all that. You can live a victim mentality if you want to, but you won't get anywhere. Right.
0: Right.
1: So, here I am, thinking, I love the Lord, nine years old, I want to play the guitar. My grandma played the guitar. I mean, she was a picker. Like, she did I mean, in her 80s, she was tone deaf, but she still picked. It was horrible. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't tone deaf. She was deaf. Like, she was going. And I was like, maybe if you just strum it, get Grandma. Just just strum Nope, she was wanting to keep up with everybody. I thought, maybe I can do that. But Grandma can't teach me because, you know, sometimes family can't teach you things. <laughs> so I decided... Or my parents got me a guitar, my grandparents. I was raised by my grandparents because my mom left uh, to go to college so that she could make a life for us. Well, she just didn't come back. So I was raised by my grandparents, who are awesome people. Um, They got me a guitar. and uh, (laughs) I wanted to take guitar lessons. And so this lady in our church, she led the singing. And when I talk about le- leading the singing, it's not like Candy Wall so leading the singing. I'm talking about like "He set me free, He set me free." That's the kind of church I grew up in. Okay, that's when the when the hymns come on, I don't have to look at the board.
2: Like y'all like,
1: what is this song? No, I I know it. I mean, and I know verse four.
2: Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So she'd get up and leave the singing, but her husband wasn't in church. They lived right beside the church, and he played the guitar. And he could play the guitar really well. And And so my parents thought, and I thought that it would be cool if I could just go over there after school because it was right across the street from our house. The church was over here. I couldn't skip church for the because rec- I could touch it, <laughs> all right? could throw a pebble, and I would get there, so... All y'all driving an hour. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just walked. And so, um, after school, I would take my, I would go home and get my guitar, and I'd take this this orange little folder over to this guy and this guy's house and his wife. And uh, and he and I would sit on the front porch. <laughs> and he would draw out the, the chords for me. Well, he wasn't exactly a kind man. And needless to say, I don't know how to play the guitar. Jake, rock out. One of these days, I'm going to come up and, as a story of restoration I'm I'm gonna strum right alongside with <laughs> you. But he was a he was a mean man. And He did things. I'm not, just because there are small ears. I'm not gonna talk about what he did. You can assume, you know. But because of that, I have fought certain battles, and I have uh, things were were um, things were awakened. That shouldn't have been awakened. And so I've had to deal with things and fight things. And all the long, I have thought it was because I'm a bad person. Isaiah recognized that there was a gap between who God was and who he was. And he said, What was me? For I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people who are unclean. He had a view of himself. And so, it was probably about two years ago. Um, Sister Green may remember, and Sister Candy may actually remember too. Because um, they've been walking with me through this, this incredible journey that I've been on the last couple years. And um, it's where I've had to come face to face with some of my deficiencies and some of my lacks and some of my traumas. But the reality is that there is a gap between who God is and who I am. There's always going to be that gap. It's just the reality of his holiness in my flesh. There's a gap between you and God. But here's the incredible thing. He spans the gap. He spans the gap. Okay. Revelation chapter 1. We see an incredible, incredible picture of of the Lord here. uh, The revelators talking. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last We've got to have a vision of God, okay? This is what I'm getting. I mean, if you have this vision, you rock. All right? <clears throat> what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. <clears throat> and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks Hold that in your, your memory. Seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girded about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had his right hand seven stars out of his mouth, went sharp, two edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto no, me, Fear him not, for I am the first, I am the last. All right, so this is an incredible view, an incredible picture. I mean, he's got his hair's white, like and his eyes are like fire, and his feet are like brass. And it says, that he walked them in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I thought this was really interesting because the seven golden candlesticks uh, uh, symbolize the churches that he's writing this book to. So you got Ephesus, Laodicea, Thyatira, all of these things. And what does he do when he addresses, in chapter 2, he starts addressing these churches. What does he start pointing out? He starts pointing out what they lack. Ephesus, I've got somewhat against you because you've left your first love. He starts pointing out where, where they're deficient and what they need to work on and, and all this. But, but what I th- and this is, <clears throat> this is it. My, my title is greater than your less than.
2: <laughs>
1: His feet were made to walk in your deficiency because he had feet like brass. And it said he walked in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. His defic- your deficiency will not keep him separated from you. His deficiency, your deficiency, there is no deficiency in him. And so you think, I've been abused, I've been rejected, I've been abandoned, and that's my identity. No. No, that's not your identity. That's not your identity. Yeah, you have some deficiency. Yeah, you have some problems. Yeah, you have some struggles. That's all right. I was made. I was made for that. I was made to step in the middle of your fire. I was made to step into the middle of your struggle. I was made to step right. I decided that I would span the gap between who you are and who I am, and I would I would bridge that gap gap so that you could experience my power so that you could see who you are now here's what's incredible is if you read that and read isaiah 6 there's such similarities you may not get the the bold vision of of eyes like fire and feet like brass but but john is recognizing who god is and he falls down he's like oh i'm in the i'm in the in the presence of the almighty he said he said, "I recognize that I am among greatness." <laughs> what Isaiah says next is the Lord challenges him as he says, Who who will go for me? Who will go for me?" And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. So all the time we're praying for God's will, Brother Walden. We're trying to figure out what God wants us to do when we don't even want to see who we really are. You want to know what your purpose is? You want to know what you're supposed to do? You want to know where God wants to take you, where he wants to lead you? Get a vision of Him so you can see who you are, so you can experience the the coal of fire on your lips, that your sin can be purged, that He can walk with you in the midst of your fire. Your purpose will come after you have a vision of who He is, who you are, and you allow Him to heal you. Then you can walk in the authority that God has for you. He is greater than your less than. He is greater than the darkest night. He is greater than the worst choice. He is better. He is better than anything in this world that you could find. He's better than any medication. He's better than any any drug. He's better than anything. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If you will get a vision of who He is, and you will get a vision of who you are, He will define your purpose, and you'll be able to walk in authority and dominion in this world that is trying to tear you down. That is. Tr- I don't know about you, but days are hard. Yeah. Yeah. Days are hard, but I think too often we try to deny our reality of struggle. All right. All right. All right. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven, and I'm almost finished. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. <laughs> Maybe you're wanting to be great and you don't want God to be great in you. I don't. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Right. We're perplexed but not in despair. Right. Persecuted but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. What I love about this verse is. He doesn't deny the reality that he's facing. He never says it's all fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's good. He said, I've been persecuted. But I'm not forsaken. He says, I've been I've been struggling. I've been cast down. I've not been destroyed. But he gives us the answer in all this. The reality is that there are a lot of things that come at us. That try to identify us. And the reality is we are just an earthen vessel. We are just just a pot. That if we don't have him, we're going to be broken. We're not going to make it. But it's because he... His victory, his power, it fills that pot. It makes that pot indestructible. Now, there's a lot that's going to come against that pot, there's a lot that's going to come against that vessel. When I say something about a struggle, what's the first word, first feeling that comes to your mind? Self-worth. Self-worth. Overwhelmed. Emotional. It's the reality. It's the reality. Man, what do you feel? Struggle, heaviness. When you think struggle, you think heaviness. What about you? Intimidation. Intimidation. Some reality for you. Or are you like, oh, it's fine. I'm good. Everything's good. God's good. Hallelujah. Fear. Confidence. I think anger. I think loneliness. I think frustration. Anybody else want to yell out a word that I hadn't thought of yet? Stress. Drowning. Depressed. Hurt. It's the reality that we're living in. Sickness. Sickness. It's the reality. But we're not going to be destroyed. We're not going to be destroyed. We may be perplexed, but we're going to be okay. Because he's greater than our less than, he's greater than our deficiency. Stand to your feet. Close your eyes and lift your hands. Siatorra bacatayen honorabasaye. He honor a massaya de la Bocchia Tarabosoto. Paul never diminishes or discounts your pain. He felt it, he acknowledged it. But not, we are but not defeated. Paul had a whole lot of butt knots But not crushed. We're not in despair. We're not abandoned. And we're not destroyed. Jesus, by the authority of your word and the power that is in your name, I pray, Lord, that your presence would fill this temple. God, that we would have a vision of who you are. Your greatness and your mighty power, Lord, would be tangible in this place, God. I pray, Lord, that that we would not look around to the people beside us, God, that we would focus solely on you and how you want to commune with us today. God, I pray, Lord, that we we would not know who's standing beside us, that we would get to a place where we're so lost in your presence, where we're so enamored by your love, God, so that we're so intoxicated by a vision of you, God. I pray, Lord, that we would recognize that you are high and lifted up, God, that you are on the throne of our life. And God, if we have placed anything else on the throne of our life, I pray right now that we would fall down in repentance and that we would cast it down, cast down every imagination, every false view, every every intimidating look, God. I pray that we would cast it down God, so that you can be high and lifted up in your rightful place. On the throne of our life. In the throne of our mind, Jesus. Let there be a vision of who you are in this place. The mighty God. Our shield. Our buckler. Our great reward. Oh, Jesus, have your way. Oh, Jesus, have your way. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Oh, Jesus.
0: It doesn't matter
1: what anybody else is doing in this moment. It doesn't matter if anybody else is participating or not, God. Right now, right now, I'm desperate to see you, Jesus. I'm desperate for a vision of you. I'm
2: desperate to see who you are.
1: And when I see you, I'm going to fall down and worship I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to lift up my voice, God, because I know that you are great and you are greatly to be praised. (laughs) And as you get to a vision of who God is, When you see and you place Him in the rightful position in your life, He's going to begin to talk to you about your deficiencies. He's going to begin to talk to you about where you lack. He's going to begin to talk to you about what you need to do. And and then you're going to be able to look at Him and say, Oh God, I'm undone. Meet me in my deficiency. Let your eyes like fire and your feet like brass walk among my life. and when he begins to walk among your life and your deficiency you're going to find purpose you're going to find calling you're going to find dominion you're going to find authority oh I think it's time for us to find a place to pray you're a vessel you're a vessel be filled today with his presence, so that whatever comes against you, the, the defeat that tries to take you down, the struggle, cast your mask at his feet and become the earthen vessel that needs him.
2: Oh Jesus
1: I'm broken I feel alone conversation. God is bigger than you think He is. He can handle it and so can you. You can handle a broken place at His feet. You can either be broken before Him or He will break you.
0: Front row area in the four, all, all that will. We do this a lot here in different services. I just like people out of the chairs for, for a moment, all in this area. And we're gonna, we're gonna, the, the Holy Ghost is still here. He's not gone anywhere, he's, he's in the midst of us right now. I don't want us to lift our hands together. Let's let's come on in. Come inside the front row if we can. Come on in. Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on in. Where you're, this this room right in here. Let's come on in. We're all in this same space because we are a body of members of a body. I like for us to do things together sometimes. I want us to lift our hands together one more time and, and begin to let the Lord just really speak through you. Let the Holy Ghost begin to talk. and The Spirit help with thy infirmities. Won't you to let the anointing that God's placed in your life begin to flow right now. The anointing destroys the yoke. That's it. Let the anointing flow. Whatever's got you being destroyed right now, in the name of Jesus. Ha-ha! the word of God you know I said something earlier that the word of God you know it's forever settled in heaven but do you know that the preached word of God will be forever settled too because God keeps a record but there's also scripture out of Isaiah that speaks about when the spirit of the Lord is upon you to preach what it does it opens prison doors yeah, it, it binds up the brokenhearted. Yeah, it heals those bruises, those wounds. It does things. And that's what, what I was trying to express before services, that when the anointed preached word of God comes forth, it's for your betterment. It's going gonna, it's gonna to open a door. It's going to heal something. It's going to fix something. It's going to give you something to go on. We live by every word. That proceeds out of his mouth. And, and whenever we're that vessel, we're the mouthpiece of the Lord. You know, you're, you're preaching to his people. And what Sister Lindsay preached today is from the Lord. You know, I know that we study and we, we look and we read and we do that. And that's because that's part of preaching and things. But more than that, it's listening to what the Spirit would tell us. One place it says the preacher sought acceptable words. He, he sought to find acceptable words to give the people, and the only acceptable words are the ones that come from him. And I, this has happened, and it happens a lot. And you'll you'll catch on to it sometimes if you pay attention. That you ever heard somebody preach something? And said, "Man, just before service, we were talking about that." You want to why? Because that word's already in the atmosphere. The spirits already, already like the wind blowing back and forth, and you you may not catch the the whole message or even the title of the speaker, but uh, you'll be talking about something. If you're uh, in that place, you'll be talking about something that God's fixing to bring forth or part of something. And you're like, man, we were just talking about it. And you know why? Because you were listening. And Brother Daniel and I were just sitting in the office before this service, and we were talking about. Uh, People comparing themselves and trying to be other people and not being themselves, not being authentic. And then she started talking about that. I was just thinking, you know, that that, that stuff was just floating around in here, man. We just, and we just happened to tune in on part of it. So I know what she brought was from the Lord today. I know it came, and you will be better today because of it. In Jesus' name, the reality is there. What you're going through is is there, but he is more real than anything you go through. She made mention of several times of him walking in the midst. Now, I started thinking about that. And when you read the story of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they're about to be put in that furnace, it's always, several times, it's the midst of the furnace. It's the midst of the fire furnace. And then it's finally... Walking around in the midst of the fiery furnace. Well, you know why they didn't burn up? Because he was there walking in the midst where they lacked. They lacked the ability to not be human torches, but he made them fireproof. They they lacked the ability to loose themselves. They were bound. And the fire was so hot that it killed those. That's why it's so important to have him. Because it slew the men that took them to the fire but they fell down bound and got up loose and walked around in the midst I'm so thankful for a savior that walks right in the midst of my deficiencies well there's so many good things in there today (sighs) definitely be be, some of that be preached again (laughs) so just I'll give you credit but I'm going to be preaching some of that God's good Sister Lindsay I thank God for you and I thank God that he kept you when you could have just been lost, could have been gone I I thank God that he saved your life as that little baby because your preaching has saved a lot of lives only eternity will tell but, but I believe that that the words you've spoken, the phone calls you have made, the text messages you've sent, the times you've invested has saved people's lives. I believe that. I believe that. And that's what we all have, a treasure in earthen vessels that can help this broken world. Amen. Thank you for being in this service. I told you this service was going to be it. I knew that God was going to move in a mighty way and, and do some great things. And Man, God's good. One more service tonight at 6 o'clock. I'm coming with high expectation. God's going to do tremendous things. Amen. Get here early, pray. Prayer will start at 545 around the altar, but you can come earlier and go to the prayer rooms if you would like. Let's come praying, believing God to do great things. Amen. Is there anything else today for our dismiss? If not, thank you. God bless you. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name.